Bow your heads with me, would you? Oh, Father, how we needed to hear that this morning. How we needed to be reminded of your faithfulness. When everything else is shaking around us. When the things, Lord, that we have counted on or the things in which we have placed our trust begin to shake around us, O oh God. We need, we need to hear that you are faithful. We need to know, O oh God, that we can trust you. We need to know, Father, that, that while other things may cause us great concern, you never change. You are the same today, yesterday, and forever. Lord, thank you for that. Because as we think about the authority for our existence and how we live and act, what we believe rests in our confidence that your word in the past is still your word in the present. That what you have said in the beginning is still the same and true today. That there is a bedrock, there is a firm foundation, there is a consistency, there is a faithfulness, there is a trustworthiness to our great God and His Word. So Father, I pray for this company of people who are here this morning. I don't know what areas of life around them are shaking. Anxious moments, concerns on hearts. But Lord, may we take comfort and confidence in the fact that you are faithful. You will not be shaken. And therefore, Lord, you will hold us firm. You have promised that We've been placed firmly in your hands and no one can snatch us out of your hands, nor can any circumstance. So Lord, we um, present ourselves to you today. We present our hearts to you this morning. I pray that you would prevent distractions, those things that would steal away our thinking, that we may focus our attention on your words today to us, that we may be strengthened by them. I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Well, that didn't take very long. We're about three chapters into the book of Mark, and already people are plotting to kill Jesus. His family are calling him crazy, and the crowd is not sure which way they're going to go. I, I, I was thinking about being a disciple of Jesus or a follower of Christ at that moment, I mean, he hasn't been teaching that long. They haven't experienced his, his uh, companionship for very long. And they're seeing all of this around them. I wonder what they were thinking. I mean, I wonder if there was uh, any thoughts in their mind that, that I wonder if we hitched our wagon to the right train. I wonder if they were wondering if... Um, 
The masses are objecting to all of this teaching. I wonder if we've made a mistake. In fact, the teachers of the law, the ones who have been, have been leading in our religious understanding and our religious tradition, are, are plotting to kill this man. I wonder if we have made a really big mistake. And then... Um, Jesus kind of tips all of the tables at the end of Mark 3 when he recategorizes all of the people around him, particularly his family. Because <laughs> in the ancient Near East, the family was everything. The inheritance was everything. The property was everything. Your standing in the, the society was based on your standing in your family. Your identity, your, 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 your very being was wrapped tightly into the family that you were placed in. And Jesus says to them, who are my family? Not the ones who are on the outside of this building calling me crazy and asking me to come out. Not my mother, not my brother, not my sisters. You are my family. The ones who were listening to him intently. Now, by the way, and I've been scratching my head for some time, trying to understand why Mary went along with this crazy thing. But somehow she did. We know that the family came around eventually. But Jesus started to divide humanity into two categories. Insiders and outsiders. His family at that moment was on the outside. And the people gathered around Jesus were on the inside. And the question that we want to investigate today is, what makes one an insider versus an outsider? Jesus it seemed at that time, considered it very important that he explained to those who were gathered around listening to him what was going on. Why were there people objecting so violently to his teaching? The disciples needed to know an answer to that. And so he tells them a very familiar parable to most of you as an explanation for what was going on. That's what we want to look at this morning in Mark chapter 4. A parable that you are very, very familiar with. In fact, you're so familiar, there's the opportunity for your mind to stray and for you to think about um, what you're going to do this afternoon. Don't let that happen. There is no more important parable in all of the scriptures than the one we're looking at this morning. And the reason I say that is because to understand this parable is to understand all of the other parables. Unless you get this one right, you won't get any of them right. 
So Mark chapter 4, let's listen as Jesus gives us an explanation concerning what's going on with the divided camps. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to read most of the chapter, but we're going to zero in on verses 1 to 20, primarily. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, or even a hundred times what was sown. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, 
The soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of God. I um, find myself regularly, I suppose, sitting in my study, reading some Facebook quote or something, and my mouth drops open, you know, like the wow emoji. I'm like, they said that? Currently, there seem to be a lot of well-known Christian in, in Christian leadership circles uh, dis- demonstrating an epidemic of theological sauciness, firing Twitter spitballs at each other of uh, taking different scriptural sides of old familiar texts that used to be a common accepted interpretations and understandings that, that we all agreed to. They're almost in childlike fashion mocking how much freedom they feel to be saucy toward the things of God. Almost like theological teenagers who somehow think now they know better than the Heavenly Father. Reading things like, shh, don't tell anybody, but guess what I'm going to be doing on Sunday? Or guess what I'm going to be saying on Sunday? In this text this morning, Jesus has some pretty strong opinions about the personal management of God's Word. You don't have to study much of the life of Christ to realize that Christ is calling out sloppy and saucy and dishonest and prideful Refusing himself to sign off on craft religion for sweet appointments or popularity. What I'm noting out of this text is simply this. And we all need to take heed. The people who are in trouble with God 
or getting into trouble with God share a common problem. They have selective hearing or no hearing at all towards the things of God. Jesus makes a distinction here as we move, uh, as, as Mark records the life of Christ, Jesus makes a distinction between insiders and outsiders by how they hear his word. In verse 34, um, or verse 31 of chapter 3, Jesus, there's a, a picture here of Jesus' mother and brothers arriving, standing outside, you see? Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. But then it says he looked at, at those seated in a circle around him. Those inside. And Mark furthers this idea as the crowd gathers around Jesus that is a mixture now of insiders and outsiders. And the question is, which are which? That's the question that the scriptures continue to ask us. Who are you? Are you an outsider or are you an insider? Are you a decoy or are you a disciple? Remember, we talked about these things. It's constant throughout the scriptures. There is this division. There is this deciding. There is this distinguishing between one or two. Which are you? And Jesus is going to explain to his disciples why there are those who are calling him crazy, those who are plotting to kill him, versus those who are gathered around him. And this morning, as we gather this morning around the Word of God, the question comes out to us, am I an insider or am I an outsider? And there are distinguishing marks that show up in this parable, that define us. Now, by the way, it's pretty obvious in most texts by repetition what is the key thought, right? Thirteen times in Mark chapter 4, there is a word used. And that word is akuo. Any French here? Ecoute? Yes, brother. I see that hand. Ecoute. I remember my French teacher. I, I hardly remember any French except for this line. Écoutez, ne crivez pas. It's like, oh no, it's quiz time. Akuo means hear or listen in Greek. For 13 times in this chapter, listen, hear, 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 hear. And Jesus is going to go on to define what that hear is by this parable. So the word today is listen, hear. And who listens to Jesus? I, I want to share with you four questions this morning. I want to answer, have this text answer four questions for us this morning. One is who listens to Jesus? Who has been given the secret of the kingdom of God? 
why Jesus spoke in parables and who is good earth, all right? Four questions. Who listens to Jesus? Do you notice in the text here, the crowd gathers around Jesus so much so they pressed him into a boat, goes out on the lake so that he's not pressed by the people and at the water's edge. And he taught, it says in verse 2, them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, and the first word out of his mouth is, listen, akuo, listen. Now for us, that's not really... Okay, that, you know, we've had many teachers. I could be up here this morning saying to you, listen, listen to this, listen. But to an audience steeped in the Old Testament text, okay, this word listen had deep theological undertones to it. Because it, the akuo in Greek is shema in Hebrew, You've heard of the Shema, haven't you? Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, our God is one God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Every good Hebrew knew that. Every good Israelite knew that. And Jesus now stands before the crowd and says to them, Shema. Hear, listen, our God is one God. Love him with all of your heart and your soul. That's how he introduces himself. Who listens to Jesus? Those who understood what Shema was. Those who understood the significance of Akuo, the people of God. It was what distinguished in the Old Testament those who, who, who clung to the Shema were distinct from all the other peoples of the earth. Those who love the true God with all of their heart, soul, and strength, those who who heard the Shema and put it into practice in their lives, they were the ones who were distinguished as the people of God. It was all hinging on, listen, hear. Jewish ears would perk up because this had a familiar authoritative sound to them, distinctive of the true people of God. It wasn't long later in Jesus' ministry where he called himself the Good Shepherd. Do you remember? In John chapter 10. And do you know how he distinguished the sheep from those who were not sheep? Those who are my sheep, hear my voice. And they follow me. You guys know your Bible. What a great group we've got here this morning. This is so encouraging. Wow. Recognizing the voice of Jesus and following that voice. That's the distinguishing mark of those who are his sheep. Not modifying it, not ignoring it, not explaining it away. They hear it, and they follow. And so he says, listen to this crowd. And the question of the day is, what will the crowd do with the urgent command of the Son of God? What will they do? 
He sets up the uh, parameters in verse 9 when he says, He who has ears let to hear, let him hear. He sets it up. He sets us up this morning. Every one of you here this morning have been put on notice by Jesus, by that verse. He or she who has ears to hear, let him or her hear. Saying that to you today, saying, listen, listen. He or she who has ears to hear, let him hear. Which implies that there may be some who don't have ears to hear. What will the crowd do? He's setting up the disciples to understand now the distinction between the two. There's a mixture of insiders and outsiders every time. In every audience that the Lord has, whereby his word is delivered, there's a mixture of insiders and outsiders. It's very, very simple for you to to discern the difference today. Very simple. You have ears to hear? You will hear. If you do not hear, it's because you do not have ears to hear. You either have ears to hear and you hear, or spiritual things apparently go in one ear and out the other. The vast majority of our culture ignores the opportunity to hear God's word. What are there, 37 million Canadians? Something like that. How many do you think are gathered in places like this to hear what God has to say today? What's the percentage? 10%? That's optimistic. Passing by the opportunity to hear what God has to say. He or she who has ears to hear will put themselves in places to hear. So he goes on to say this to them because notice in verse 10, when he was alone. Well, he wasn't actually so much alone. Look at, do you see the 12? And there were others around him. He tells them this, and this is mind-blowing. You know the emoji with the guy's head blowing off? That's one of my favorite ones, too. I like that one. I wish it was on the, the choice list, you know? I'd use that a lot. He told them, and he's telling you this morning. This is not just an ancient lesson. This is as present and as modern as, and as up-to-date 
as if it were written 15 minutes ago. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Okay. So we want to look at these two questions. Who has been given the secret of the kingdom of God and why Jesus spoke in parables? When, when the crowds went home, there was a group of people that stayed behind to hang out with Jesus, like you are doing this morning. Because they took an interest in the parables of Jesus. They took an interest in his word. They asked him about his parables. They were captivated by his teaching. They didn't want to leave until they understood what the parables meant. The crowd heard the same parable. In one ear, out the other ear, sayonara. Got a lot of language stuff going on today. Great international. In light of the international theme of our VBS, I'll try to work some Swahili in sometime during the service. Their level of interest was entirely different from the others who called it a day and just left. I want to I look at this, the 12 and the others around him, because Jesus is going to declare them good soil. He says they've been awarded something, the secret of the kingdom of God. What is that? Secret or mystery? In Scripture, there are several times where mystery or secret is mentioned. In this case, the secret of the kingdom or the mystery of the kingdom of God. It, it, when, when we talk about a mystery or a secret in the Scripture, it's talking about some sort of heavenly truth that has been concealed from human understanding but now made known by the grace of God. A mystery that something that's previously unknown that can only be known by divine revelation and explanation. And, and so Jesus says to you who are interested in what I am teaching, the mystery of the kingdom of God is given to you. What is the kingdom of God? What is the mystery of the kingdom of God? It's referring, of course, to God's rule. And that God's rule is being mediated through Jesus Christ and his words that people might be saved who respond to his words. The rule of God is is not going to be established by force, but by his word and an army of faithful hearers. And Jesus is saying to them that the secret, in other words, the enablement, the ability, the desire 
the hunger and thirst to understand the things of God that are concealed is being given to you as a gift. It's amazing truth. Because um, what he is saying here is the reason that you are drawing near to me as opposed to the crowd who just, whatever, Jesus, see you later. The reason that you are drawing near to me is because you've been given or graced the most valued treasure in all the universe. The truth about God. But not just the truth about God, but the desire and the enablement to want it and to understand it and to treasure it. Everybody else went home and you stayed to understand, to fully understand what I am telling you. That is because you have been given the gift of the secret of the kingdom of God. And it says, in, in, and later on he says in the text in verses 24 and 25, notice, whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Those who show an increasing hunger and interest around the things of God, around the word of God, will be given even more insight, more understanding, more enablement, more hunger, more desire, and those who don't, even what they have will be taken from them. You are the ones who believe that God has something to say to you that's very, very important, and you are all ears. This is a gift that's been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seen but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. This is one of the most difficult sections of Scripture that you will ever hear. And we need to know what Jesus is saying and what he isn't saying here. Those on the outside are the explanation for why Jesus teaches in parables. Why he makes it difficult for people to understand. In fact, parables mean bewildering puzzles. Why would God, the Son of God, speak in bewildering puzzles? And so he says to them in verse 13, then Jesus says to them, don't you understand this parable, this bewildering puzzle? How then will you be able to understand any parable? He's not, he's, he's actually not upset with the disciples and upset with this group of people who are around him. 
He's just urgent and passionately saying to them, good on you for staying behind to listen. Good on you for giving me the opportunity to express to you what these parables mean. Good on you for recognizing that you don't fully understand what's going on here, but you want to. Good on you for understanding that the Word of God is critical to your life. It's so important that you're going to stay here until you get it and until you embrace it and until you apply it. Good for you. That's what he's saying. And therefore, since you've stayed behind, I'm going to explain it to you. The only way that we can understand is Jesus, um, Jesus taught in parables because the key to getting in on what Jesus has to offer, i.e. the secret of the kingdom of God, depends on welcoming and receiving the explanation from Jesus. Jesus is, is saying to all of us, you will never be able to embrace theological truth and bypass me. You have to come through me to understand the things of God. That's why Paul later writes in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and, and, um, and verse 12, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words, that man, the man without the Spirit does not welcome the things that come from the Spirit of God. Jesus is teaching here that those who wandered away with no interest and no explanation do not have the mind of God. Unless you are given, I mean, the, the scriptures from the beginning to the end are the story of grace. We don't earn what we have. We can't get what we have in our own strength. Everything that we have that is of eternal value is given to us by God through his grace, including an interest and desire to have the word of God and to understand it and to embrace it. Everything is by grace. It's been given to us. And Jesus is saying, you are evidencing by the fact that you are staying behind to understand what I am saying. You are evidencing that you have received the grace of God in your lives. You've been given the gift of the secret of the kingdom of God. You've been given the understanding of salvation itself by God's grace. Those on the outside are thieves. They are trying to steal theological truth and bypass me. Remember when Jesus said, I am the gate, all others that have tried to get into the sheepfold are thieves. You can't come into the sheepfold unless you go through the gate, Jesus Christ. 
Christ puts himself at the front of the line every time, saying, this is the reality. You can't understand the things of God and bypass me. He's saying the reason the teachers of the law, he's, not, he's explaining to the disciples here in so many words, the reason that the teachers of the law are plotting to kill me is because they have stolen theological things, and they're actually theological buffoons. They have no idea what they're talking about. They are attempting to explain divine things with the mind of a human. They don't have the things of God in mind. They don't have the grace of God. And I will not, he says, I will not allow outsiders to receive wisdom concerning the kingdom of God and bypass me. That's why they can be hearing, but they won't be perceiving. They can be hearing, but they won't be understanding because they can't get there without me, and neither could any of us. We didn't get there without Jesus. And you won't understand a lick of what I'm telling you today without Jesus. So he speaks in parables on purpose so that people have to come to him. And receive him and receive the gift of the kingdom of God, the secret of the kingdom of God. You see that? So because there are those who are interested, and I take it that, I mean, you could get up and leave if you want now, but I take it that you're interested in the parable. Let me just wrap it up with a very quick picture of the differences between outsiders and insiders. Who is good earth? Are you? Am I? I want to know that. I want to know that. And so he gives four pictures here. The first is hard earth. You might be hard earth here today. Hard earth are people who are indifferent. By the way, same seed. The seed is the word of God. Same distributor, God. The only difference is the soil. The only difference in our lives is the soil in which the word of God is placed. And you are either hard soil, you are shallow soil, you are crowded soil, or you are good soil. Hard, hard earth is indifferent or angry, the hostile crowd. By the way, Jesus was creating through his words the salvation event He tells, the, he tells the paralytic man, stretch out your hand, knowing full well that the teachers of the law are going to plot to kill him. He, he appoints, he, he calls to himself Judas Iscariot, knowing full well that the insider is going to betray him. And now he is speaking to the crowds and telling them, guess what, you can't understand a word of what I'm saying to you because they're going to be the angry mob that yells, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him so that the insiders like you and me can know salvation. Jesus is setting it all up. He's setting up Calvary right now in the text. 
So the hard earth or those who are hostile, they hear and they either couldn't care less or they immediately take offense. And I see that group growing in our country. The hostility toward God's truth is absolutely stunning. And by the way, any delay, and this goes for every one of us, any delay in welcoming God's word into our lives is quickly snatched away by Satan. You walk out of this place on any given Sunday and don't immediately apply in your life and keep applying in your life what is happening, what, what God is saying, will be snatched away by Satan. Devoured, that's what it says here. There's the shallow earth. These are people who are looking for something easy. They're just looking for an easy fix, a quick fix. And they're hoping that maybe religion will give it to them. They receive, it says. But they, they enjoy the, it's like a, the immediate high you get from the band or the spiritual pep rally. When the worship band sits down, the joy is gone. The slight challenge to their faith and Jesus is on his own. That's the shallow. Don't last very long. Then there's the crowded earth. By the way, this is the most sobering one, I think, in a group of Christians like us. We're probably not hard earth. We're probably not shallow earth. Because you keep coming back. But be very careful that you aren't crowded earth. Because this takes a long time to reveal. You know, when many of us shake our heads, scratch our heads, whatever, like we just, our jaw drops when somebody who we thought was a believer for all of those years and all of a sudden they drop off the map and you're like, what in the world? Maybe crowded soil. Trying to fit Jesus into an already crowded life and a life that continues to get more and more crowded, more and more busy, more and more distractions, right? Do you see what it says here? Well, deceitfulness of wealth, worries of this life, desires of, for other things come in, suffocating the things of God. There's no room for God. Increasingly, there becomes no room. I, I can't get to church this Sunday. I can't get to church next Sunday or the Sunday after that. I have trade shows every Sunday. My life is so crowded with stuff. No time anymore. Or maybe, especially for any of us who've been in the faith for a long, long time or grew up in a home that was in the faith, maybe, just maybe we went along with the family because it was just easier. It was just easier to be a Christian. Why would I oppose and reject the things of God? That makes it difficult in, in life. Or maybe because you wanted to be a part of a preferred social group, like Christians. You just like hanging out with Christians. Maybe you hung around with them for a long time. Or it's the only way of life you've ever known. Or you're just curious about theological stuff. You just like filling your head with more theological information and knowledge. That could be crowded earth because you might be missing what really declares you as deep soil.
Do you see? Very short verse, verse 20. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word of God, welcome the word of God, and produce fruit. It all hangs around. It all hangs on how you hear God's word. This welcome is this gift given by God to embrace and and desire the things of God. The synagogue, you know, had become a a lecture hall. It had become become by the time Jesus was, was here on earth, it had become like a university classroom. People would love to come to the synagogue, pontificate on all kinds of things, debate theology, get more heady about theological things, try to outthink the teachers of the law. A church can get like that, you know, very easily. We can become just a lecture hall for interesting theological facts. Wasn't that an interesting detailed presentation of the soils today. You can play with words and language of it, just in the flesh. This is why, in part, pastorally here, we've been so passionate about calling you to discipling communities, calling you to application, you see, any of us can, can sit and listen to a sermon and declare interesting facts. But that's not what makes us deep soil. Deep soil here, welcome and apply. That's what produce is. Applying the truth to our lives so that it changes us. Uh, we've, we've run out of time, but let me just, in, in our running out of time, let me just say to you this. In your own time, take Galatians 5.19 and match it against Galatians 5.22 and ask yourself the question, Am I more like Galatians 19, 519, or am I more like Galatians 522? Because deep soil is Galatians 522. Galatians 522 are the people who used to be Galatians 519, but they heard God's word. They welcomed God's word, and they applied God's word and produced fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. It should be evident in our lives. So, brothers and sisters, the insiders are those who crowd around Jesus until they get it, have it, and live it. Our Father, to you alone be glory. Thank you for the grace of understanding and welcoming your truth. 
Thank you for what you've taught us today from your word. Thank you for those, Lord, who gather around you. They want to know. They want to hear. They want to understand. They want to apply, oh, Lord. They're insiders. You've granted them passion. You've given them the gift of the secret of the kingdom of God. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for such grace to be willing to do that, to reveal to us things concealed to others because of your great mercy to those who will hear, to those who have ears to hear, and they hear. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Oh, who are you this morning? How you hear God's word reveals distinguishing mark of the disciples of Jesus Christ as Christ taught them was that they would be able to embrace what few others could and that is the secret of the kingdom of God when he was going to be marched to the cross they were going to need to to be able to embrace what he had told them and that is this that God's rule is not going to be established by force, but by Jesus' words and an army of hearers. And here we are this morning, an army of hearers. That's how God's truth continues to go forward. That's the kingdom of God. The rule of God is Jesus' words and an army of people who hear them and love them and welcome them and embrace them and apply them and produce fruit. So we pray that God will do just that in our midst this coming week in our own lives and in this very, very important summer, summer ministry of telling young hearts about the truth of Jesus Christ and by his gift of grace, them embracing them and walking in faith. Oh, Father, thank you so much for your words to us. I pray that we will be deep soil. I pray, Father, today that we will take your word. We will welcome it. And we will apply it and produce fruit. Lord, I pray that we will not allow Satan to snatch away anything that you teach us but that will immediately put it into place in our lives the insiders are those who embrace the life-changing words of Christ and are transformed so father we pray and thank you today for all that you've given to us in Jesus name